Good morning. A little bit of an echo chamber here. Every time I take the flight of stairs, you all ask yourselves, for goodness sakes, it's just three or four. They're the toughest stairs I ever have to climb. And believe me, I've climbed the Washington Monument, so I know what stairs are. But it is such a, a responsibility to be here. And um, thank you, Gloria, for the song. <clears throat> I thought immediately of Charles Stanley, and I, I must digress for a minute. For those of you who are not Irish, are not familiar with Irish, there's another set of words to that tune. Okay? Anybody with me? Okay. So, and it's not sanctified like those, but it reminds me so of Charles Wesley who came under such great condemnation in his day because, first of all, he introduced uh, spiritual songs in, a, in such a new way that a lot of people didn't like it. A lot of people wanted something solemn. They wanted it just quiet and subdued. And Charles Stanley, believe it or not, in his day, chose the tune, the notes, from barroom songs. So if there's anybody out there wondering, why are we listening to old Jimmy boy? No offense, Jim. Danny boy? Oh, Danny boy. Shows you why I'm only a quarter Irish. But they are, uh, it is such a comforting um, song. I've always loved the tune. Shame on me. Um, but... Um, when put to the words of God, it is such a blessing and it calms the heart of he who has to come up here. So thank you. Um, and also a thanks to Alan. Is he here? There he is. Um, I really appreciate um, your story about Sid this morning. It was such a blessing, as was Ken and Jim, and what they shared. It was a beautiful worship service we had. Um, let's just take a moment and pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, we come before you in the name of your Son, our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. For it's only in your name, Lord Jesus, that we would even think to approach the throne of God this morning. But having been purchased, having been rescued, having been blessed, and we walk in the shadow of Calvary every day, we ask now, Father, that you would just bless this time. May my words be your words. My thoughts be your thoughts. 
And for those who are listening, just bless them, encourage them, uplift them, challenge them if necessary. And again, as always, if there's anyone here who hasn't discovered yet how much you love them, how much you want to rescue them, how much you want to give them eternal life, a future, and a hope, we pray for that this day. And we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you would turn with me to the book of Romans, or uh, it'll put the scripture up there, Romans 12, 1 and 2. It's familiar probably to all Christians. I personally over the years have spoke two other times on it, but it seems this is where the Lord has directed me today. So the book of Romans chapter 12 Verses 1 and 2. I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. May the Lord bless the reading of his scripture. The first word of the first verse is very, very special. Do I have the mic too high or something? Yes? Well, let's see what we can do, folks. Um, is a very special word. It's to, for those of you who are literary, uh, specializing in the English language, you'll understand what I'm to say. For those of you like me, we're to learn that whenever we come across this word in the scriptures, it is time to pause, it is time to take a moment and ponder because he is heralding with this word what he is about to share in the next two scriptures. It is meant that to realize and remember everything that has taken place before this in the book of Romans. It is because of that which he shared and written in the first 11 chapters that he now states this. There were, it is so, it's a rich book to begin with. It's packed with doctrine for the Christian church. And it's a blessing to anyone who wants to take it on. In the first 11 chapters, he covers some of the following. Righteousness needed. The condemnation of sin. Righteousness imputed. Justification stated. The way of salvation explained and explained very clearly. Righteousness imparted. 
principles, practice, and power of sanctification. Separation explained. Righteousness vindicated. Again, it's a wonderful book. So he says, stop. And then he says something that's, to some, very amazing. Because this is Paul. This is the man that Jesus Christ grabbed, transformed, empowered, imputed, and was so integral in so much of the New Testament. He was fearless. He was empowered. He had authority. He could have said, I command you, brethren, and he'd be within his full rights. But God speaks through each and every writer in the Bible. It is not their words, the writers. It is the word of God. He is speaking through the hands as they write this. I, I just loathe when I hear the non-Christian uh, church that calls themselves Christians that says, the word of God contains, okay? The Bible contains the word of God. Wrong. The Bible is the word of God, and it always will be. There's authority there. But the Holy Spirit chooses to use a different tact with us. I urge you, brethren. It's a wake-up call. This isn't a suggestion by Paul. This isn't something he's asking us to consider or ponder. It's as if Paul was in spirit, was on the bridge of the Titanic and trying to get the attention of the captain, the prideful captain, as he was steaming towards the iceberg. In other words, Paul would be saying to him, listen to me. That's what's ca captured in the word urge. I urge you, brethren. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God. And who among us cannot but remember the day we came to know Christ as our Savior? How we were showered in mercy. How we were drowning in his mercy. How we loved his mercy. Because it was his mercy that allowed us to understand how much he loved us. It was the door that opened for us to understand that we could be forgiven. Psalm 103, verses 10 through 12, is one of my favorite portions that emphasizes the mercy of God. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. 
In other words, because of God's mercy, again, listen to what I have to say. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. <clears throat> there is only one way for us to live, to conduct ourselves, to walk through this world. Only one way. Philippians 1.21 also there's a lot of my favorites in here this morning, and I know a lot of you know that, but some may not. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Boy, that's radical. If you're not walking with God, if you're not yet there in understanding, and you're not yet born again, that's going to be a little edgy for you. Okay? To die is gain? Yes. Absolutely. Not before he deems it. Not before our time, but yes, what awaits us, there's nothing better. And if you don't know him, and you go to the other place, there's nothing worse. Nothing. Colossians 2.6 Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Just like the day we received him, just like the joy we had, just like the peace we all of a sudden tasted, the strength we had, that's how we're to live our lives every day. <clears throat> the song by Francis Havergal, um, I love. It's, it's one of the about five songs I know by heart. Um, I sing this song every day, no worries, in the quiet of my room or the shower, no worries, but I love it. It goes like this because it so speaks of the living and holy sacrifice that we're to make every day. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love, at the impulse of thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. Take my voice and let me sing always only for my king, always only for my king. Take my lips and let them be filled with messages for thee. Take my silver and my gold. Not a mite would I withhold. Not a mite would I withhold. Take my love, my Lord, I pour at thy feet its treasures store. Take myself and I will be ever only all for thee. Ever only all for thee. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God. This, if you're, if you're just tired or if you're just not quite right, you can blow right past these two verses and be robbed 
of a multitude of blessings. These verses were to be awake. Caffeine is acceptable. But we need our full attention when we read them. Acceptable to God. Psalm 19.14 puts it this way. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Which is your spiritual service of worship? This is how we should be conducting ourselves every day of our lives. Hebrews 12:28. <clears throat> therefore, another therefore, go run and look what's before it. Since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. And do not be conformed to this world. This has been a stumbling block for a multitude of so-called Christians over the decades, the centuries. The purpose and the reason for some evangelicals, as they call themselves churches, has been lost. They're more worried about making sure they don't offend anybody. It's not our purpose to ever offend anybody as Christians, but we will by our life, we will by our conduct, and we will by God's words. I know they used to offend me, and I wasn't nice towards Christians, but praise be to God, he didn't give up on me. He rescued me in, in, in spite of myself. 1 John 2, verses 15 and 16, puts it pretty clear. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the prideful life, the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. A quote. I like this one. The Christian is not ruined by living in the world, but by the world living in him. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We need that every day. Sometimes more than just every day. There are days that we have, don't we, where we need to renew constantly for strength, for encouragement, for clarity. How the devil likes to trip us up Boy, his main object, once we've been saved, is to figure out a way to eradicate us. If he can't do that, 
He wants to just keep us, to use the sports term, off our game. Kind of like my 49ers, the first half of the Super Bowl. Sorry, I couldn't get by it, but you understand what I'm saying if you watched it. We have to be really careful. We have to be aware. Acts 1.14. These all, with one mind, were continually devoting themselves to prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Prayer. As Bill McDonald said, somebody asked him once, what do you think is the success of the San Ramon Valley Bible Church? He said, because they're a praying church. We don't take pride in that. We don't boast in that. We're thankful for that. We're thankful that we understand that it's prayer that sustains us, that helps us, that keeps us going. We pray for one another, don't we? I love this quote by Corey Tim Boom. Is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? Let me read that again. Is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? Okay. It's okay if you didn't get it. That's all right. Let me explain. When you're in your car and it's moving, how often are your hands, assuming you're the driver, anywhere but on the steering wheel? Hopefully, continually, right? Yes? Nods? Yes? We're all there? Okay. Hopefully, we never get to the point where we hear, bam! Not a good sign. Not a good thing to hear. But most of us have had that privilege and before cell phones, it wasn't that easy to call AAA or get a hold of them. Um, so that's how you understand her quote here. Is that part of our daily regime? Is, is it what carries us through everything in our life, our thoughts, our decisions, our actions? That's what Corey was saying when she says, is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? Another quote, pray often, for prayer is a shield to the soul, a sacrifice to God, and a scourge to Satan. John Bunyan. So that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. The will of God. Every single one of us that is born again, that is walking with God, that is in here today, has to have complete understanding of what God's will is for our lives. It's absolute. There's no way around it. But remember this, for those of us that are here today who may not be saved. Another quote, to have a victorious life in Christ, we must be born again and he must reign supreme. 
Another quote, it is not enough to know about Jesus Christ. It is not enough to believe that he is the Son of God. To be born again, you must accept him as your Lord and Savior and ask him to forgive you because he died and shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. If you're out there this morning and you understand who Jesus Christ is, but you haven't yet accepted him, Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, with a sincere heart, will explain just how easy it is to start the first day of the rest of your life. A life of peace like you've never known. A life of joy like you've never known. A life of hope like you've never had. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. In conclusion, a quote, we are blessed when Jesus Christ is in control. We must have firm faith in him, resolute in our trust in him, and complete surrender and commitment to him, because this is God's will. So does he, or has he ever had his rightful place in our hearts and our lives, especially today? And with heads bowed and with eyes closed, I just want to read you two scriptures that so explains the character of God in relationship to his children. Psalm 118.8 It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Jeremiah 29.11-13 For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. This is the character of our God. This is the love he has for each and every one of us. This is why he desires to have full control over our lives so that we really can 
have what is called the good life. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We just ask that you would bless this time. We thank you for the word of God. We thank you that the Bible is the word of God. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that is in us and helps us and equips us and lets us know when we're wrong and lets us know when we're right. We thank you now. In your most precious name, Lord Jesus, amen.